Hey everyone, welcome back to Every Version Ever. My name is Jonathan North, and today we're bringing you one of the first real podcast-length reviews I did with Sarah during the first year of my YouTube channel. Back when I made the episode we revisited last week, I really tried to keep it succinct. I tried to pare it down and keep it short for the YouTube format, but with this one, there was just so much to talk about that I didn't even try. I ended up splitting our review into two parts. I think this should have been my first indicator that I'm more suited to be a podcaster than a YouTuber, but I still tried. Anyway, today we're going back to our review of the 1986 BBC version of Alice in Wonderland, a four-part miniseries which was made by a lot of the same team that worked on Doctor Who back then. This really was kind of a perfect crossover for my tastes, so it was fun to revisit it for this episode. And again, same disclaimer from some of the recent episodes, this is one of those videos we filmed outside so there was a lot of ambient noise. I think I edited out all the farm vehicles passing, but there's not much I could do about the birds. Oh well. Part of me kind of likes them there. <laughs> I wouldn't record a podcast outside these days, but it's fun looking back on the early days of me learning what I should and shouldn't do when filming. Anyway, let's get on with this episode of Every Version Ever. This week we're talking about the 1986 BBC miniseries. This series was created by a bunch of the same people who worked on Doctor Who around that same time, and when you're watching it, it's very clear that it's a BBC production, and it's very clear that the Doctor Who team is working on it, because it just has that kind of feel, the 80s BBC he has a Doctor better, Who weirdness. Yeah, he has a better feel for the Doctor Who, but... I definitely had a feel for the era in BBC, and even just the music, I kept thinking, Pride and Prejudice! <laughs> the music is different than Doctor Who's music, but it was still very BBC-esque. Very, yeah. I, I mean, I've watched com British comedies from that er era, and um, just their use of, like, I don't know, the brass or something? It really did remind me of Pride and Prejudice. Mm -hmm. All you people who, you know what I'm talking about. So the miniseries was split into four parts, and all the episodes were sort of bookended by Lewis Carroll telling the story of Alice to, was it Alice and her sisters? Was yes. one of the girls Alice? Yes. One okay, of them. I didn't know if it was the same actress or not. They did it differently because when she's in the boat, her hair is done differently and her outfit is different, but it is definitely the same person. And there's some other random dude on the boat helping row, but he doesn't get a lot of attention in the story. Mm -hmm. Enough, but he's not the main character. And they ha sort of had that footage, most of the scenes with them, in sort of a sepia or black and white It was tone. It was black and white. It was like they had taken... It was color footage that they had turned black and white because when he started telling the story of Alice, the camera would sort of pan away from them and you'd see that the actors playing in another part of the scene and then the color would slowly fill in and it would become a color production rather than black and white. This was a really faithful adaptation of the story for the most part. Like all, all the dialogue and everything that happened was pretty faithful to what happened in the book. The only thing that it differed significantly on was the addition of a lot of songs. Yeah. And the songs kind of slowed it way down. A little bit. Side note, she was a very different Alice. Not because she was an adult, because we've seen that so much now, even just beginning in this. Um, but she was a redhead. 
is a redhead. And her dress was pink. So that was just kind of an interesting, like with as faithful as they were being with so many things, that was just an interesting little deviation. But yeah, they did have a lot of songs and maybe some of the lines from them were from the book, but I felt like they were trying to get a little bit... They were padding the story, I felt. Philosophical at one point or just, I don't know, some of it wasn't really necessary, I didn't think. Yeah, it really felt like the songs were there to add to the runtime because... I, don't I guess know. I felt I found myself getting kind of bored with a lot of the songs. A little bit, and there were like half-hour episodes, right? So mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe they had contracted, thinking, "Oh, we need this much time." Oh, wait, we don't. <laughs> I don't know how that I works. I think they probably could have made a shorter movie out of this, like maybe an hour, hour and a half. But with all the music, that's what padded it out. And I mean, it was fine. It wasn't like they were terrible songs that I was completely not enjoying I just kind of felt myself wishing like come on we could hurry up to the next thing here and one of the songs that did belong in there was the one in the kitchen with the duchess but she wasn't really singing it and it seemed a little off yeah. she was just sort of talk singing you know how people do if they can't really sing you just talk the lyrics and you make it work she had a really interesting rich voice and I think you know kind of a nice face for the part but um because she has you know sort of a bolder features or at least her mouth was mm -hmm. broad and i think she looked good in that role is that even nice to say because she had a nice face i just think she <laughs> It's fine. She had a nice face, and she had a nice face for the role, but apparently she's not a singer. <laughs> Which is fine, but it just seemed kind of odd. They did a good job of incorporating the white rabbit. They didn't do anything really weird with his character. They didn't try and enfold a bunch of meaning into his character. Um, the makeup was pretty good too. About as good as the March hair. I think all the makeup was good in this version. <clears throat> yeah. This is probably the longest falling scene mm -hmm. we have ever seen. It incorporated like all the dialogue from the book, plus a song, plus I don't know what all, but it just was like... It was like she was going through multiple houses and rooms and... Yeah, the background was changing constantly. I got, I don't know how they did that. And I got a kick out of it because when you get to the part with the marmalade, they really belabored the marmalade and it's like, oh, leave it to the British. <laughs> mm. You just love your marmalade, don't you? Another thing, okay, the Hall of Doors looks like a genuine grand British house so I kind of geeked out over that a little bit. It was really pretty. They did not do the pool of tears justice. It was just like a tiny puddle and then all of a sudden at some point she's swimming in it and it didn't make complete sense. Mm -hmm. Her crying seemed fake. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't the end of the world. Um, something that I, I did like this version. There were very likable things about it, but, and while she was an interesting Alice, 
It was somebody trying to pretend to act like a little girl and it didn't come off right to me because it's just like, oh, I am thinking this and I am thinking this and I am doing this and it just, the way she talked, it just didn't fit to me. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. She's just like trying too hard to be a cute little girl and better to come off as a little bit more of an adult and have it seem more natural than to try too hard to be a cutesy little girl in your in the way you're acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Right, okay. Uh, moving on. She got into the garden and you have the caucus race. They really kind of went all out in the costuming because it wasn't animated or anything and they weren't really bulky costumes they mostly focused on like heads and tails i suppose mm -hmm. there was a lot of face makeup and a lot of a lot of prosthetics because all of the animals had movable mouths they weren't like completely believable movable mouths but but it was, it was really detailed yeah it was sort of the same thing it was sort of the kind of thing you would see on like a Doctor Who alien. And I thought a lot of like the reptile things looked like something that would be on, on Doctor Who well, at that time. And the creatures that have fur, like the mm -hmm. monkeys. I thought uh, the the mon monkeys were really well the done. The monkeys were good. And I thought the March Hare was really well done, but we'll mm -hmm. get to that. Um, the caucus race, I think they were relatively true to that. But you end right after the caucus race and it's sort of... I don't know, maybe a slow start to the story or kind of an odd start, but keep pushing past the first episode because the first episode's pretty good, but the second episode I really, mm -hmm. really like because you go on to the White Rabbit's house and they did a great job with that scene. Mm -hmm. Is that pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much happens right at the beginning of the second episode because she gets mistaken for Marianne. She heads off to the house and you have her growing and singing this song about does she ever want to grow up or something or, you know, and get old and, oh, but never to be married. Oh, I mean, yeah. It, it was a very interesting choice that didn't, we didn't really feel like it fit in the scene. And I don't know if there was any dialogue in the book that went with that. I don't remember any. But the scene was so great. Their little house interior was very nice. Um, it was so British because you have these creatures in their high boots and their accents and they did just a great job with the whole portrayal of Bill and we're assuming maybe a we needed to look this up like a hamster they had Pat and Bill and they just they filled it out really well mm -hmm. and they did a really good job with the scene where he gets kicked out of the chimney. <laughs> um, it was just really cute and at some point she shrinks and leaves the house and the house is not destroyed but they have her um, having rocks thrown in the window and they turn into little cakes and she shrieks from that, and uh, they just covered a lot of little details. 
the caterpillar was kind of neither here nor there for me. If Rudyard Kipling was a caterpillar, that's what he would have looked like. They didn't really touch on the bird. Eventually she gets to the Duchess's house and there was a lot of interesting choices here as well. Um, I think Sarah seemed to like the cat. I thought he was, was weird. Right. The cat was alright. It was an interesting accent choice. I don't know what to label it. What region of England. The cook looked like a creepy Dickensian character with stringy, stringy hair. hair. <laughs> she did yeah. a good job. Um, mm -hmm. The Duchess I thought was good for the role. The baby was creepy. Sort of a <laughs> puppet? Would you say? I don't know. It was weird. It wasn't the a real baby, baby so, so the cook, when the cook bounced something off of the baby, of course the baby was not hurt. The Duchess was just sort of patting the baby, you know, for her beating the baby. And Alice feels the need to rescue the baby, I think mostly from the cook rather than the Duchess. Mm -hmm. And then the baby, they did this really odd thing where they showed like a little bit of gradual transformation. Yeah, that was the, that was the creepiest part. They had the baby sort of begin to turn into the pig before it actually became the pig. And then they used a real pig, which was adorable. But so. the half baby, half pig hybrid was very strange It was looking. an interesting choice, yes. And then she has the whole conversation with the Cheshire Cat. The Cheshire Cat looks rather chubby and kind of cute. He looks really happy. Um, he was fine, but he was slightly creepy, which I guess is supposed to be the point. It was just, there was something about the way his mouth moved that I didn't really care for. <laughs> the next thing after the Cheshire Cat is the Mad Tea Party, which I think we both really liked. The March Hare, the Dormouse, and the Mad Hatter were all really well done. I liked the the Dormouse because Elizabeth Sladen played the Dormouse and it was nice to see her in another role beyond Sarah Jane Smith in Doctor Who. And she made a really cute Dormouse, I thought. It sort of made sense because that's an easy way to get a squeaky little voice. Mm -hmm. I think the Dormouse was still supposed to be a male because they oh, kept yeah. saying him, but yeah, she, her I, voice was perfect for I think for they had mouse. her in trousers. This was a gorgeous tea party and one of the interesting things is as she's coming up to the tea party they stayed true to the book and they included the March Hare's house which you pretty much never see. No, I, we actually went and looked in the book to make sure this was from the book because it's something that's like never included. The, the fact that they're at the March Hare's house. It was really the, oddly shaped. Um, they it talk, looked like the hare. Yeah. It had two chimneys for ears and was thatched supposed to be roof. With fur, mm -hmm. which I don't think they, you know, obviously. But anyway, it, they really went to some trouble there. And the tea party, they had all this beautiful china. It was just gorgeous. And one of the things that I really loved about this scene is that they had this really great camaraderie going on between the March Hare and the Mad Hatter. Just sort of mm -hmm. these little between the two of them. It was so cute and funny. They really de they really did detail on the Mad Hatter. Like they did makeup to really emphasize his features. 
so he looked kind of cartoonish but not over the top mm-hmm. and I really liked the way they did the march here it was obviously you know a person but they went to a lot of trouble with the makeup mm-hmm. and the dormouse I thought it was kind of interesting how that you can cut this out if you have to, but it was cute when they go on the whole little tangent about you might as well say such and such is such and such, and then you have the dormouse saying, you know, the same, I can't even say it, you might as well say that I breathe when I sleep is the same as I sleep when I breathe. And they're like, it is with you. (laughs) They just added little cute bits of humor into it. I felt like maybe it did go on a little bit longer than it needed to, but no problem. It's a really Mm -hmm. great scene. Very cute and funny. We were thrown off because people have different ways of portraying how she finally gets to the garden croquet party whatever and true to the book is actually for her to go back to the hall of doors and they stayed true to it in this version they have the whole scene with the cards painting the roses and it really threw me off because the lady that they got to play the queen i recognized her from another tv show around that time period and from another movie and she's really good at playing a strong bossy character so she did a great job and the king was actually funny too Mm -hmm. because he wanted to behead the cat and it didn't work out and he's like it's not fair i hardly get to have any fun (laughs) yeah he was really cute i don't think that they used real flamingos did they they had sort of a puppet thing but they did a really good job with it to to the point where you could almost kind of wonder but no it was it was a puppet plus they were too big to be real flamingos anyway and at some point i think they partially used fake hedgehogs but at some point they had her little hedgehog wander off and hedgehogs are adorable so that was cool and at some point i liked this too the duchess had been in prison and she comes along and she has this whole rambling funny conversation with Alice which is in the book and I'm glad they included it and then she gets scared off by the Queen and the Queen sort of directs her off to the Griffin Mm -hmm. and then you have quite a long scene with the Mock Turtle, the Griffin, they're dancing around singing all that. This was another scene where I kind of felt like it was stretching on a bit too long especially the dance scene it was just like can we get this over with it would have been fun if they had included more creatures in that scene i was waiting for lobsters to crawl out of the ocean like we'd had in a much earlier version because i mean they'd done the costume so well for this version i expected there to be lobster people but no they just decided to have the griffin and the mock turtle dance with alice instead which was fine, but they I wanted had, some lobsters. They wouldn't have had to get really yeah. fancy with it, but whatever. It's okay. They did a good job with it. The mock turtle, I didn't care for the head. He looked like he had little devil horns and this sort of crinkly pink 
skin. I, so he had the whole cow thing going on, but it was a little bit unsettling, maybe. The griffin was really good, though. The griffin I liked was the griffin. good. Yeah. He was. The griffin and, was much better than the 1915 version with the creepy, jiggly the hands. Demon bird. <laughs> but, um, and kudos to him for not hitting anybody with those wings that might have taken the some rehearsing <laughs> dancing around with big stiff wings he did a good job mm-hmm. then at some point they're still singing and she finds out that there's going to be a trial and she wanders off then you get to the trial scene which they did a they did a good job with. They had sort of a fingernails on the chalkboard sound that I didn't care for with the little jury, but minor complaint. I feel like that's true to the book, though, wasn't it? They were supposed to be writing on slates. There's supposed to be this whole thing where Bill either doesn't have or is lost, can't find his pencil, so he's trying to write with his fingernail. And there's supposed to be this whole, I think, interaction with Alice. It's really cute. But they never seem to cover that and it's okay um not really but it's okay (laughs) and uh the the trial was cute i feel like that whole poem that he reads that he read it too slowly that's supposed to be evidence because it's supposed to just i like it when it's just ripped off really fast okay you know what i'm talking about yeah, the Queen of Hearts, she made some tarts. No, no. I, you know, I took three, You get. they came back to me. Oh, yeah. The okay. minor, yeah, if you need to cut that out, that's okay. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, that thing where they rhyme? <laughs> um, I think they did a pretty good job with the witnesses, especially the Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. At some point, he takes a bite out of his teacup, and that's cute. <laughs> Um, the Dormouse gets in trouble, but I don't think any Dormice were injured in the making of this film. Hopefully not. <laughs> they, they, they like picked her up and shoved her into a sack and, and hauled her out. threw her out or something. Yeah. And then she goes into sort of an odd rhyme, uh, basically about not liking being told what to do by grown-ups and then at the end of the rhyme they fold in the line you're nothing but a pack of cards Mm -hmm. and then she has cards showering on her they don't have her falling down some vortex or anything (laughs) i don't think no and they have her waking up on the bank but they also have this sort of dovetail where you have them rowing in the background. They they just sort of enfold the two worlds and wrap up the story. You have her on the bank as well as in the boat and on the bank is in color and in the background they still have the black and white. So there's that blending of worlds. And I think they did a pretty good job with that. Because mm-hmm. it's a mix of, of just being in the story and also of the narration all in all we really like this version it was i don't i don't know that i would rank it as one of my absolute favorites but it's it's quite high up there i would say and i think this would be a pretty good one 
if you're not wanting to take the time to read the book, but you want a fairly faithful adaptation, mm -hmm. I think it would be pretty good for kids too, but their attention would probably stray during the songs. Yeah, the songs were really slow. They were the slowest part of the movie. Forward slow. If you want to watch this with five-year-olds. Mm -hmm. Anyway. But other than the really slow songs, this was a great adaptation, and we recommend watching it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Every Version Ever. Next time will be the finale of our current Alice in Wonderland series before we jump into a new book, and it'll have my first brand new guest on the show. Nikki from Trivial Theater will be joining you to talk about two strange Alice in Wonderland government PSAs from the 70s. We'll be talking about the U.S. government's anti-drug PSA, Curious Alice, and the British government's dive into the wonderland of government-regulated label laws in Alice in Label Land. These are two very odd and obscure shorts, and I thought Nikki would be the perfect guest to explore them with me. So we'll see you next time on Every Version Ever.